Some weeks when we preach, the stories given to us for study and prayer flow like rivers full of grace and meaning, and sharing them together feels effortless. And then other weeks, we come, <laughs> right? we come upon passages like this week's passages, including the Gospel of Matthew, but the others as well, that sounds so troubling. And our job is to extract the truth from stories that can sound only bitter and damning. First of all, it's hard to hear stories that use the word slavery. Like this story today in the gospel about a man and three people, he enslaves. It maybe it took place 2,000 years ago, but it's still hard to hear that language alone is troubling. And yet we hear it, and this man, going on a journey, entrusts his property, his talents, to the three people enslaved to him. Talents, by the way, money, one talent equaled about 15 to 20 years wages. So what trust he had in these people to give one man five talents, the equivalent of a lifetime of wages, two talents to the second slave, and one talent to the third. Even the slave who just received one talent was receiving the equivalent of 20 years of wages, a huge sum. And we hear that after a long time, the man of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And we learn how the first slave had traded and actually doubled the five talents to 10, earning the man, the, the equivalent of two lifetimes worth of, of wages. And the second slave, given two talents, doubled his through investing. And the third slave simply buried his one talent to keep it safe, explaining, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, so I was afraid. <laughs> and I went out and hid your talent in the ground here have what is yours. The man, of course, although he was delighted with the first two slaves, praising them and saying, well done, good and faithful, trustworthy slaves, he condemns the third man, saying, you wicked and lazy slave, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. He then tells the third slave to give his one talent to the man who now had 10, and finally orders, as for this worthless third slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Eternal damnation, because this individual who admits, I was afraid, didn't trade or invest. He was afraid, so, would, so I would have been in that situation, and probably you too. So it's a troubling passage. Maybe, though, not quite. 
Because Jesus does begin the telling of this whole story, and it is a story with the phrase, it is as if a man going on a journey. So it's very clear from the beginning that he's offering us an example, one of those extremely exaggerated stories of his to get his point across. And what point is this? That the most costly and devastating choice we can ever make is to give in to fear. Think of all the times in scripture that Jesus and various angels tell us, do not be afraid, because they know we are. And I don't think they're trying to tell us, relax, take it easy, nothing to worry about. What they're trying to do is help us overcome the fear that prevents us from following Jesus, from it blocking our way to following God. When Matthew was writing this story, people believed that even though Jesus had been crucified, died, buried, rose again, ascended to heaven, as we say every week in the Nicene Creed. They also believed that he would come back, as the bishop said last week, next Tuesday, that he would come back right away, set things right, rescue them, save the world. So in the meantime, the idea was, let's live the way he wants us to live so that we are ready for the new world Jesus is about to usher in. Scary images of judgment could have been ways of jolting Jesus's followers into quick and generous action, a way of saying the clock is ticking. We need to reform our lives. And the horrible image of weeping and gnashing of teeth could have been a way of saying Stay awake and aware and watch out and let's go. Don't hide out. Don't crouch in fear. The time is nigh. Don't be afraid. We know. Easier said than done. Each of us knows how it feels when something so terrible or frightening is happening that we just want to crouch in fear, bury ourselves, hide our hearts. Are you in some way hiding now? Trying just to get through something, just to endure some challenge. Lately, I've been trying to learn how to stay present in conflict. Not closing my eyes, not just enduring and waiting for it to be over, not disassociating, but engaging. Still afraid, but I'm practicing presence. I'm practicing taking more risks. And in the story today, the master gives the slaves money, talents, to care for. 
Now, think about what God has given and is giving you. Because God created each of us, imbued us, crafted us with amazing gifts and continues to delight in us. And I love these words from the 12th century poet Hafiz. God said, I am made whole by your life. Each soul, each soul completes me. What a beautiful idea that we complete God. Imagine. Surely the message Jesus tries to communicate to his followers with this story today is how important it is to take what we're given and use it to the glory of God to the furthest degree or to use a football analogy in this important football week to take the ball and run with it. So how might you be holding back, crouching in fear, flying under the radar, trying to just endure? And conversely, how might you step up instead in your life, in this world? Do you feel God calling you out of a fearful place? Listen for that. That outer darkness language could be a way of saying, what a terrible loss it would be for you not to fully participate with God in what God is up to in this world. Terrible loss. This part participation with God and in God, this is where our light burns bright. So, today, maybe not such a terrible passage after all, judgmental on the surface, it's rhetoric, <laughs> but looking deeper, a plea for us to stay alive and use our gifts from God. Which reminds me of a poem that you may know very well. It's by Rainer Maria Rilke, and it's his most famous one sharing his idea of what God is up to and how this works. So listen. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me, flare up like flame. 
and make big shadows I can move in. Hear that? How are those for operating instructions for, for marching orders? But what about our fear? It's there, it's there. And sometimes, instead of flaring up like flame, we freeze, we crouch, we run away, we hide. Rilke continues, imagining God saying to us, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And don't let yourself lose me. There's so much terror these days. We want to hide our eyes. We want to reach for false certainties when we see the agony in this world. Back to Rilke one last time for the final words in this poem, still speaking to the newly formed soul. God points to earth and says, nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. And that is the miracle for each of us. <laughs> we know about the seriousness and often the terror of this life on earth and at the same time, always God holds our hand, holds us in God's hand, envelops us, guides us. So, if we combine how Hafiz tells us God says, I am made whole by your life. Each soul, each soul completes me we mix it with Rilke, reminding us that we are guided and held by God every step of the way, all through our fear. Then, huh, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Maybe you and I can experiment more with the notion of walking into conflict, uncertainty, complexity, and even pain. Not running, staying present, not batten down for safety, but open to what comes of beauty and terror, ready to take risks, to use your gifts for the sake of this hurting world. And each time you try, with God's help, a little less afraid. Amen.